like that. Before we get into uh, the message, we'll have a word of prayer. Before we pray, I want you to do something with me. I want you to imagine something. I want you to get ready. Can you imagine? How big can you imagine? You know, can you think and, and just go real deep? Imagine God. Okay, now that, that got people's attention a little bit there too. Last night when I said imagine God, people oh, wow, I, th- you know, I thought you were going to ask us to imagine something crazy or weird or something you know, uh, insignificant. But God, wow. Now, i got to say this. You know, I, I, there's probably not anybody here that doubts God or the existence of God. But in case, I mean, you know, here's the thing. And there are some that do. If God is not God, then let's turn off the lights, let's go home, hide eggs, and celebrate the bunny, okay? Right? I mean, what are we here for? There's a guy, I follow his tweets, uh, and uh, he, uh, he posted this morning that he's got a friend that's in Jerusalem this weekend for, you know, for the, the Easter celebrations there. And he was at the tomb of what we believe to be the tomb where Jesus Christ was buried. And he, and he, and he um, texted this, this uh, guy that I follow on his tweet. He texted him. He said, I just wanted you to know that the, tem- uh, that the tomb is still empty. And he said, thank God it's still empty because... That means my message this morning for the church that I'm going to be preaching to is still has meaning because the tomb is still empty. And he said if because the tomb wasn't still empty, he said, I'd just roll over and go back to sleep because there would be no reason for being here if he wasn't God. But if he's God, imagine. Imagine how big, how awesome, how wonderful, how majestic, how amazing. What, what words can you use there? I, I can't describe him to you, but we try. We try with words like, you know, he is omnipotent, meaning he's, he, is, he has all power. He is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. All at one time, he can be everywhere at one time. He is omniscient. He knows everything, everything that there is to know. He knows it. He's omnibenevolent, meaning that he's all good and he's all loving. He, he, he's all everything. I mean, you know, anything you can imagine, he's more than that. But because he's all good, that means he hates bad. Okay, so, and I don't want to lose you here, okay, because some say, all right, now you're going to talk about sin. Yeah, got to talk about sin. This is Easter. But, but listen, here's the deal, is God is, is so good that, that sin just destroys his heart. And so he wanted us to know that when, when, you know, his children, the people he created in his image, me and you, when mankind began to sin and, and do evil, he wanted man to know how much it hurt his heart for them to do bad when he is good. And he wanted to bring them back because once they started doing bad, I mean, you know, it's like there was separation there. They were going their own way. They were, and he wanted, he wanted a plan. How, how can I do this? And how can I show them how much this hurts my heart and how, how bad is, is so opposite of who I am is good? How can I show this? And so he came up with a plan. You know what the plan is? I'm going to tell you this morning. And let me tell you this, that God is an awesome storyteller. And that's what the, the, the sermon, the parable, the sermon series has been about. He's an awesome storyteller. That when he tells us a story, he paints with such vivid colors. I meant, you know, full bloom colors of more better than the, the very best movie you could ever see that's ever been put together. I meant, wow, you walk away and say, wow, that was amazing. Like when you read the scripture, and you say, oh man, I didn't know that. I mean, you know, it's kind of like sometimes the scripture reads your mail, you know. You know, you read something, it's like it just, it just digs right where you are and say, how did God know? that I was going to turn there that day, and he does that. He's an amazing storyteller, and he's got a story for you today. This sermon series, let me explain, in case you're, you haven't been here during the series, is this series is about the Old Testament. The Bible is divided into two parts, Old and the New Testament, and it's divided by Jesus Christ. 
In the Old Testament, we, we call it the old covenant that God had with his people, is, the Israelites. And, and, and in the old covenant, there were a lot of things that happened in that old testament, a lot of stories, a lot of things that happened, a lot of things that God orchestrated. God said, do this, do this, do this. And what he was doing was he was teaching them something about so, when Jesus came that they would understand even more about Jesus. And so the old testament, true stories, true things that happened. God orchestrated a lot of them to teach us about Jesus so that when Jesus showed up, we could say, oh, I get it now. Okay, and so that's what it is. Have a word of prayer with me. Let's get into our message. Father, I love you. I thank you so much. I thank you for your love, God, that, that, that you have shed on us, God, because, of, uh, because through the blood of Jesus Christ dying for our sin. God, I thank you, Lord, that as we sang that song a moment ago, that, that I'm yours, that God is awesome and as amazing you are and as big and powerful. And God, you, you, you don't even deserve to give us the time of day, Lord, that, that you still allow us to call ourselves yours. God, just an amazing thing. And so I ask you here right now, somebody pray this with me. God, I ask you, let your love be shared in this room right now. God, we, we sure need your love today. God, I pray for your peace to just be shared in this room today because there's someone here, God, that, that truly needs your peace today. And God, I pray for your mercy and grace. Because we all, Lord, we all need your mercy. We all need your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that big, strong one. Let me say this, just before we jump into the message. And, uh, you know, have you ever read a book that you get to the end and you say, wow, I didn't see that coming. And then you you flip back and you look and say, "Uh, wait a minute. And you flip back and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, now I see it. Or, or you ever watch a movie that way? You get to the end and a surprise ending. So, oh, wait a minute. One of them that comes to my mind immediately is Sixth Sense. I don't know if you've seen Sixth Sense or not. It's been out long enough. If you had not seen it yet, I'm going to go blow the ending for you because you're probably not going to watch it. Okay, but uh, Sixth Sense. I mean, you get to the end. I mean, you watch this whole movie and this uh, psychiatrist or counselor, whatever he is, you find out at the end he's dead and he didn't know he was dead. You know, he said, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. He was talking to people. He was interacting with people. And so you got to hit the rewind. You know, you got to back up. So he was talking to that lady in her living room. You back up and you realize, oh, man, oh, you realize. Or that, wait a minute. But then there was that time that he met his wife in the restaurant and she was ticked at him because he was late and she told him off and she just stormed out. And so you rewind to that when you find it, you play, ah, I missed it. I didn't get it the first time through. And so now you get it. And, you know, and I, I said last night, I didn't say it in the first service anymore. I said last night, I think that's the way my wife is about coal miner's daughter. She keeps watching it because it's so deep. I mean, there's so, many, so much stuff in there that she's got to get. You know, she's probably seen it a hundred times and she just keeps going back and back and back to that coal miner's daughter to see it. We've all got our favorites, I guess, and you back up and say there's one more little thing in there. Well, that's kind of the way this is. The parable that, I, you know, what God put together to explain to us, to explain to us about, uh, about how he feels about bad and about how he wants to bring us back to him, this parable is so deep because I've studied it before. But studying it for this sermon, I found so many more things that I didn't know were there. And so if, if you'll just keep looking, you're going to find things like that. So I want to do everything I can to help us get everything we can out of this parable today. So I've provided you some notes on the screen, but also I'm providing you a little bit of a sermon illustration this morning, okay? Two goats. Two goats, all right? Leviticus. Chapter 16, verse 5 and 7. And this was back in the Old Testament. This is, what Moses, uh, this is what God told Moses. He said, from the Israelite community, Aaron, the high priest, is to take two male goats 
for a sin offering, okay? Now, Aaron was the high priest, the first one, but then he passed those duties down to his sons and then on down to their sons, and, and uh, we got a reluctant sermon illustration this morning. Uh, then he used to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Okay, and so here come slowly but surely. Here they come. All right, they're coming on down. Uh, so this morning, I got two goats for you, and bring, bring them on, on top, up on stage, if they'll come. This one's reluctant today. I don't know. Oh. Uh, Oh, okay. All right. So two goats. Here's what Aaron had to do. The high priest had to go get two goats and bring them and present them before the Lord. Two goats. And uh, then Aaron had the, he had lots. Now, what these were, they're just kind of blocks, and they each had some words on them. Um, and uh, they each had two different words on them. And he put them in a, in, in a case. Maybe he started out with a bag like this. We don't know. And then maybe he you know, went on to a box of some kind. And uh, so then he reached in, he pulled out one with his right hand, he pulled out one with his left hand to see which goat would be what. And so the goat on the right was the goat for the Lord, which is not good news for you. And the goat on the left is one for Azazel. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit of what this means. The goat for the Lord, the one that is for the Lord, it was the sin offering. It was the one that, was, it was the one that would have to, have to take the place and pay the penalty of the sin. Here's what Aaron had to do. He took the goat. I'm sorry. He slit its throat, he drained its blood, and he took the blood into the holy place and he sprinkled it on the Ark of the Covenant and on the floor in front of it. And you see, you might have these pictures. Whoop! It must be a mountain goat. <laughs> you might have these pictures of the temple. You ever seen pictures of the temple grounds and everything? You might see those. I guarantee you they don't look anything like the temple really looked because the temple was a bloody place. And here's the reason why is because of Israel's disobedience. Don't you get that? It was a bloody place because of Israel's disobedience. And so they took the goat, sprinkled it, killed it. What? Hang on with this one. He, he's not done yet. Uh, now, this is the follower goat, and it'll want to take off. But just hang on. But this goat, this is the goat for Azazel. All right? Now, let me tell you who Azazel was. First of all, Azazel is from an Arabic word which means uh, removed or separated. Okay? And so... You get that, removed or separated. So here's, here's what they had to do. All right, lay that lot down for a minute. Go ahead and lay them both down for a minute. Is Aaron took this goat. This was called, if you've heard the term, scapegoat. Aaron laid his hands on the goat's head, and he began confessing the sins of all Israel. And he was, in doing so, he was laying the sin of Israel on this goat. He said, oh God, for all of our lies that we've told over this last year, God, for our sexual immorality, for the lust." that we have succumbed to, for the wrath and the anger that we've harbored in our hearts against other people, for our greed, for our pride, and for all of those things, he put, he, he put his hands on and laid them on the goat. That would have been an embarrassing thing to have walked by at that time and for the high priest to look up at you and say, oh, I just remembered another sin. That would have been a bad thing, wouldn't it? You know, but he had to lay them all on, the, all on the goat, all right? And then someone that he had designated beforehand took the goat, go ahead, out into the wilderness, took him out of the city, out into the wilderness, and turned the goat loose, alive. Now, of course, the goat died at some point. Those goats aren't still alive, you know, one every year. The goat died. But the point was, the last time they saw it, the goat was alive. That's important for you to understand. The goat was alive. You know, it, it, the last thing they know about the goat is the goat is alive. So we've got the goat that is for God, the Lord, and the goat that is for Azazel. Taking that goat, they took the sin away from Israel. You remember that? You ever heard anybody say that, that God 
separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. That wasn't something we just made up. That was a picture that God was giving them. I am taking your sin away from you into the wilderness. But there's something even deeper there as well. Is in their lore, this, this, this became known to them as Azazel, became known to them as a specific demon that tempted people and caused people to do things that they weren't supposed to do. Things of evil and things of bad. And so what, what this goat was doing as the man led the goat out, what he was doing is he was taking the goat and the sins back to Azazel. Wait, hang on to this. Let's this, this be good a little later, okay? Is he was taking the sin back to the one from whom they came. All right, now, a few other things about this, just to set this whole parable up so you'll see the parallels in a few moments, is the goats, this one symbolized truth. And we don't like truth a whole lot, right? I mean, that's why we spend so much money hiding the truth, right? You know, anybody got makeup on? You know, you know anybody? Wear, well, we're not talking about what you're wearing, do you? you know, kind of hide some things. But I mean, you know, we do everything we can to hide the truth. We, we, we don't want to tell the whole story. We like to tell the glossed over version. You know, the ones where we decide what is left out and what is told and, you know, what is built up a little bit and what, you know, is forgotten about. We don't like the truth. But on the other side of truth is a goat that symbolizes mercy. And you can't have mercy if you don't have truth. Because if you don't admit that your life is a mess, then you don't admit that you need mercy. So you can't have mercy until you say, I'm just a sinner. I need God's help. So you have to admit the truth if you get the mercy. But another thing about these two goats is one died and one lived. One symbolized death and the other symbolized life. That's why there had to be two goats. They couldn't do both. You couldn't have one goat do both. You couldn't die and live. And so there had to be two goats to do all these things. And this was a parable. When God did this and the Israelites saw it every, every year, they saw it every year, the, the, the sacrifice that was done. It was a parable to them of Jesus Christ. That when, when Jesus would come, they could say, oh, now I understand the thing of the goats because Jesus, he was the sacrifice for the Lord and the sacrifice for Azazel. Let me explain what I mean. Because, you know, <clears throat> we get this part. We get the sin sacrifice part. We know that we've done wrong and that we need Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin. We need him to wash away our sins. We understand that. We get the sacrifice part, but we forget this part. We forget this part. We, we understand that, that, that his blood was shed for us. And, and just like the, the, the temple grounds I was talking about earlier, you know, like they're a bloody place because of the sacrifice, because of the Israelite sin, the cross at Calvary was a bloody place. Jesus Christ, his blood poured out. And I mean, you know, they pierced his hands, they pierced his feet. You know, he, he was pierced on his head. And, and you know, and then, then they stuck the spear in his side and blood and water gushed out. It was a bloody place. Why? Because of our disobedience. It was a bloody place. You ever seen uh, The Passion of the Christ? Or movies like that? We, we have used those uh, clips a lot of times here on, on Easter and other times because, man, they're so real. Yet they tell me, they say that they don't even fully depict the pain and suffering that Jesus went through. Here's the thing you need to understand. You know, and, and th I know this pains God because it pains me to see someone, hear someone say something like, you know, the, 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 they mess up, they, they commit a sin, they tell a lie or something. They say, oh, well, that was one on me. God will just have to forgive me and kind of just walk away. Say, no, no, no. Jesus Christ died. He poured out his blood for that sin. It's not just 
a mistake that you can say, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. Jesus Christ died for your sin. God painted this picture for you for you to understand how he feels about sin and rebellion. How do you feel about rebellion when your child acts up? Don't worry about it. Is that the way you feel? Let's call DHR and get somebody else raise your kids. Then, I mean, you know, is that how you, that's not how you feel. That's not how God feels about it either. His own son died for your sin. And so the next time you slip up, understand. And it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about condemnation here, but I'm understanding. You need to accept and appreciate and thank God for the fact that he died for that sin. But the other side of it is this. He's also the scapegoat. That what happened was, you remember where Aaron laid his hands on the goat and imparted the sin onto the goat? Paul tells us that he who knew no sin, talking about Jesus Christ, lived a sinless life. He who knew no sin became our sin. Meaning that God the Father imparted all of our sin on Jesus, just like Aaron did on the goat. He imparted all of our sin on Jesus. He, 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 he confessed them. He spoke them. He put them all on Jesus. And, and then Jesus... You know, when he died on the cross, you know what happened? Because think about it, he was God. We know he was God. But he chose to live in a human body for those 32, 33 years that he was here. And when he died, when he died, when the body died, who he was, Jesus Christ, God, he, he was released from that body then. The body was dead and he was released. And then, you know what he did? He went into that spiritual wilderness of the afterlife. You know, it's kind of a woo place, you know, to us. I mean, uh, even though we've got a lot of understanding from the Scriptures about what it's like, it's still kind of a scary place, an eerie place to us. We get a little worried about it, a little concerned about thinking about death and what happens. It's that spiritual wilderness of the afterlife. That's where Jesus went when He was released from that body, when that body died. And you know what He went with? Your sin and my sin. And He carried them into the wilderness to separate us from our sin, and not just separate us from our sin, but to separate our sin from us. What is it? Sounds like the same thing, doesn't it? Well, not necessarily, because separating us from our sin to me is about the forgiveness that God gives us and say, Praise God, I'm on my way to heaven. I don't have to worry about that, not going to hell. But there's another part of that that He wants to separate the sin from us, take the sin as far away from us as the east is from the west. Because what he is doing is he is preparing for you a new path to walk, a new way for you to walk. He, and, and, and I know sometimes when you call it that new way, that God's got a new path or a new way or a new walk for you, some people look at that as being, oh, yeah, he's got, he wants me to walk a different way. No, he allows you to walk a different way because of the sin that you've been committing. Think about what it's been doing to your life. The sin that you committed in your past, what has it done to your life? And it's destroyed. For you to continue to walk in that is going to continue to bring destruction and problems and pain and suffering to you and the people around you. But he wants to provide for you a new walk, a new way, a new path in your life. And so how does he do that? He takes your sin, my sin, and on the, for those three days from the time that he is crucified on the cross, they bury him in the tomb until Sunday morning when he is resurrected. He is in the pits of the earth. The Word of God tells us this. He goes in the pits of the earth, there where Satan himself is, Azazel. You know, and, uh, that wasn't his name, but that was a the name they used about that was part of Satan that, that, that tempted us. He went there with your sin, and he laid them at the feet of Azazel. He took them into that spiritual wilderness of the afterlife and gave them to Satan and said, these don't belong to my children. These sins don't belong to them, and, and, and these are yours, and don't ever bring them back. They, and they were given to him. And so, you know what this means? This means that if you're an alcoholic, 
You don't have to be anymore. Oh, come on, somebody. If you're a drug addict, you don't have to be anymore because he's delivered that sin to Satan where it came from. If you're addicted to pornography, you don't have to be anymore. He's got a new way and a new path that you can walk. If you're a liar, a habitual liar, and you can't do anything except tell lies, guess what? You can stop telling lies today because he took those lies into the pits of the earth and he laid them at the feet that the, the Bible calls the father of all lies and says, says these don't belong to my children. They're yours. I brought them back to where they came from, and they're yours. And so now today, you can walk alive above and beyond and without all of those things that cause the destruction and the death and the problems in your life. You've been given the chance of a new way. It's like he took, it's like he took a big eraser, and he just erased your whole past and said, here now, start over. And he gives us truth. Truth, the truth part. It's the same as this. No, wait, 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 wait a minute. He just gave us new, a new path and erased all that. But you say truth. I don't like the truth because of what? What is the truth of your life? Anybody want to stand up and testify? No, don't, don't. What's the truth of your past? No, we don't want to tell that. We don't want to tell that. But you got to have the truth. You're going to have the mercy, and what mercy gives us is new truth. My truth before before the day I came to know Jesus was an ugly truth. I was a bloody mess. That's why Calvary was bloody. I was a bloody mess. But since then, there's a new truth in my life today. And the truth is, I am right with God. And listen, your life is not going to be perfect when you, when you come to know Jesus and He gives you this new truth. But, but you know, cause the reason is because you got to hang around with all of us, okay? And you're going to have to deal with us. And the person you, you were married to, you know, last week, you're still going to be married to. And the boss you had last week, you're still going to have that same boss. You're going to have some problems, okay? But you know what happens? What happens is life starts to fit. Life starts to just come together. Like uh, Thursday night, uh, it's a small group that Dave and I lead. It's on building a strong home. And, and the last two weeks has been about finances. And, and this past Thursday when we were done, uh, people just began, they began sharing, sharing about the provision of God and how, how just out of nowhere, just things just showed up and God was paying bills that, you know, that, that they weren't prepared to pay and God, God brought the provision. You know why? Because when they put their lives in God's hands, Everything starts coming together. He gives you a new truth that your life is no longer a bloody mess. Your life makes sense now. Your life, your life can, can, can fit, and everything about it can fit. Oh, but it's also about the death and the life part, isn't it? You know, Jesus was laid in the tomb on Friday. Tomb, that's a bad thing, isn't it? What's the tomb symbolize? Death. Ooh, imagine this morning you walk in the door of Somebody says, hey, I dreamed about you last night. You were laying in a tomb. <laughs> you know, you go find somebody, pray for you real quick. Say, Pastor, we got to have prayer. Somebody saw me. But what if they continued and said, but the tomb was open? Ooh. Because a tomb symbolizes death, but an open tomb symbolizes life. New opportunity. New chances. This, this, this new walk. This new truth. It symbolizes what was dead has now been made alive. What the enemy has been trying to kill all of my life has now really finally come to life. That's what it symbolizes. And listen, you Christians, okay, I, I just really got to get on to us a little bit. Okay, but I, I got to say because we get that other part a whole lot in about one day we're going to get to go to heaven, praise God and all that. It's not just about that. What God wants to do is he wants to roll the stone away from the front of your tomb today. 
right now, not just one day in heaven. It's not just that if you die one of these days, you're going to get up out of the grave and you're going to go be with him. It's not just about that, but it's also about today. Jesus Christ came to give us life, his word says, and life more abundantly right now, today. He wants your life to fit today. And so, so, so you, you, you need to be experiencing and, and, and enjoying what God does for us in giving us life today. Those old sins have been taken and given back to the father of them. You need to quit living according to those anymore. You don't belong to them, and they don't belong to you. They are of your father, the devil. He was the one that was the father of lies. And you need to rejoice in the fact that he has set you free. If you pick them up, you did it on your own. He didn't bring those back to you. Don't pick those up. Live the new life. Walk the new path. Live according to the new truth that your sin has been set free from you. It is no longer part of you. Yesterday, yesterday morning I had to go to the dump. I don't know what it is about little kids and dumps, but they wanted to go. My four-year-old granddaughter, Brooklyn, and my two-year-old grandson, Colin, had, they wanted to go to the dump with me. So, you know, move the, move the seats into the back of the little bitty truck, you know, and we get them squeezed in and we head to the dump. On the way back home from the dump, we start talking about Easter. You know, because we we're all got our minds on it. We had the service last night and things. And, and I said, y'all know what happened on Easter? I wasn't really sure if Colin knew, but I knew Brooklyn. They said, y'all know what happened on Easter Sunday morning, don't you? Silence. They didn't say anything. Now, that's not anything out of the ordinary for Colin. When you start talking to Colin, he normally starts staring way off into space and just listening really intent to what you're saying. He can, he can just stare right through you. You know, it's a no, no big deal. But now, Brooklyn... Brooklyn's always got something to say. If you don't believe me, see her after church. She's got something to say whether you need to hear it or not. She's got something to say. But I said, you know what happened? And she didn't say anything. I'm thinking, now they know this story. I know they've heard this. She's four and a half years old. She's, I know she's heard this story. But I, they didn't say anything. So I started telling you know, on Friday, which was yesterday, today, Saturday, yesterday was the day that Jesus died on the cross. Now Colin is looking even more into him. Died on the cross. Like, you know, he's he just staring. You know, no expression whatsoever. And Brooklyn's still not saying anything. Man, Brooklyn knows this story. I know she's heard this. And if she hasn't, then I'm not doing my job as a pastor. If we've got a kid's, kids ministry, I hadn't told her about Jesus dying on the cross in four and a half years. And I knew she'd heard the story. So I continue on. I talk about the cross and how Jesus died. They put him in a tomb, rolled the stone over it on Saturday all day long. Today's Saturday, you know, and all day long. And I talked about all that. He's still dead and everything. Nothing. You know, Brooklyn's still not talking. Colin's still staring intently and thinking about what I'm saying. And then I say, and on Sunday morning, an angel shows up at the tomb and he rolls the stone away and Jesus comes back to life and walks out of the tomb. Now Colin is really, you know, he's just really like deep. And, and, but Brooklyn is like, oh, my mommy read that story to us last night. I knew she had heard that story somewhere. <laughs> now I knew she had heard it way before, but she had, it's like she was hearing it all over again. She had just heard it the night before she was hearing it all over again. And she was amazed all over again. Oh, God. That's what I thought right then. Oh, God, that we could be amazed again every time we remember that you came back to life. Not just on Easter. Not just one time a year. But tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you remember that Jesus Christ didn't just die for your sin, but He lives today for your future. And you wake up tomorrow and you realize that He has given you a new path, He has given you new truth, and He's given you new life. That you're amazed again. 
That just like, man, when I sing that song, I'm yours, I'm yours. And you're amazed again that, oh, wait a minute. I'm God's. He has separated me from my sin and my sin from me and, and, and I have this new life and that we're amazed again. You need to be amazed again that the God of this universe, this awesome, awesome God that we imagined at the beginning of this message, you say, I, 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 I'm amazed. And we forget to be amazed. Come on, Christians, stick your toes back out. Let me step on them a little bit. We forget to be amazed. And you know what we need to do? We need to do what that song said. That song said, I, I, I remind myself of all that you've done. And, and, I, and I stir my soul to remember. You know, like, like, like David said, to bless the Lord, oh my soul. And he stirred up his soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. We need to remind ourselves every day that we wake up, we need to remind ourselves, I have, I have life today because Jesus came out of that tomb. You see, that's what the, par- the parable is about, Jesus. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Thomas is asking Jesus some questions. One of his disciples is Thomas. He's asking Jesus some questions. Jesus said, Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. This is the plan. Nobody can get back to the Father. This is the plan. This is the way you get back to the Father. This is the way you get forgiveness. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this is the way you get a new path. I'm the way. This is the way you get new truth. You're right with God. This is the way you get new life. It's all found in me. That's the plan. And God went to great lengths for you to understand that today. Understand that this this is deeper than, oh, messed up. No, this is deeper than that. This is deeper than, I get to go to heaven one day. He died for your past, but he lives for your future. You have an awesome awesome future to to live tomorrow. Start living it. I want to pray. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray with everybody. If you've never prayed before, I want to pray with you. If you've never prayed and, and trusted God, but you say, man, I need this. You do. You do. You need to start a new life. You need, it. You need a big eraser just to wipe it all clear and start all over. We, we all needed it too. We just prayed about it before you did. You know, we prayed about it before today. We still need His help and some things. Get that again in a minute. If you say, man, I, I need this, and you've never prayed before, I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you that you say, yeah, I need a new path. Because mine, you know, mine pretty much just leads me into trouble. I need some new truth. Some truth that's beautiful in my life. I need a new life. Then pray with me in a moment. I want to pray a prayer for us Christians. Because we do. We forget. He did not just die for the sin. He lives for our future. And we, we sometimes live according to that old, old path that He has set us free from. He wants you to live according to the new path that He's laid out for you. That path will steer you around all kinds of junk. You don't, why in the world, as a child of God, are you still living according? Some of you are. And you need, you need to get rid of that. You need to decide today to get back. You, and you need, you need to stir yourself up again. So wait a minute. I've been just kind of been casually living my Christian life. <laughs> you need to say, man, inside of me is a God 
that empowers me every day to live an awesome, beautiful dream that He's given to me. I think everybody has something we can pray about this morning, don't we? Then bow with me. Close your eyes and let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you did die for my sin. And Lord, when I, when I first asked you and I first believed in you, you wiped away every one of those sins. Thank you for that. But God, you didn't just do that, but Lord, you also prepared a new path for me. And God, when I walk in that path, Lord, I find myself, things just begin to fall together. Lord, there's a new truth. Lord, there's just new life every single day. When I step out of that path, when I get outside of the path that you, God, yeah, there's destruction, there's problems, there's, there's suffering, God. I cause heartache for people around me every time I step out of that path. So God, I just ask you, God, for those that need to renew their commitment to you and renew their walk in the path today. God, we, we just pray, Lord, to, to teach us that, show us that again, give us that, and we commit ourselves to it, God, whether for a first time, God, or maybe this is a, a regular thing for some, Lord, but whatever, or somewhere in between, God, I just ask you, God, to, to help us, Lord, as, as we renew our commitment to you and who you are, God, and, and, and appreciate what you are and what you've done and, and, and how, how, how hard you've, you, you've been there working for us, Lord, on our behalf, behind the scenes, the forgiveness, Lord, that you provide, the new path, the new truth, the new life that you provide, the mercy, God, in the middle of all of my ugliness and my... Uh, and my evil and my bad and my wickedness and my rebellion, God, and you provide mercy, God, to put me back on the path. God, we ask you, Lord, today. God, as we accept you, God, as we accept you and recommit ourselves or commit for the first time, God, God, we accept you today and accept that forgiveness of your sin and ask you, God, to restore, restore all things, restore all things. In Jesus' name we pray according to the name of Jesus Christ and His precious blood that was shed at Calvary, we pray. And everybody said, Amen.